Educators want to stay fresh with literacy instruction, but are so busy with students, they don't always have the time. All year long, Choice Literacy publishes and delivers the best K-12 literacy practices so that educators can grow their students as readers and writers with choice in literacy. Welcome to the Big Fresh Choice Literacy Podcast. I'm Ruth Ayers. A time to cut back. I have a plant that sits on the corner of my desk in my classroom. It has been with me since my first day of teaching 15 years ago. It has moved to three different classrooms and two different buildings, and it has survived it all. I keep the plant in my classroom during the summer break and go in once a week to water it. This past summer was difficult. I may not have been as diligent in keeping a watering schedule. I may have neglected it, as I have neglected many personal areas in my life this past year. As late July arrived and I began to set up my classroom, I noticed the plant was not doing well. Most of the stems were leafless, and what leaves it did have were limp and looked like wet tissue paper. I was afraid I had killed it, and I was devastated. Through all the changes in my teaching career, this plant remained the one constant. I had two choices, let it die or do something drastic. Because of our long history, I chose to do something drastic. I pulled off the dead leaves, cut back the stems, and added some fresh potting soil. It looked pretty silly, kind of like Medusa with green snakes crawling out of the pot. But I knew if I wanted to save it, I had to help it focus its energy on growing and cutting it back was the only option. For months, the plant just sat on the corner of my desk, barely alive, yet I continued to water it. One day, I noticed something green coming from one of the stems. As I looked closer, I also saw tiny tips of new leaves pushing their way up through the soil. I began to see new growth. We all have our own set of challenges to face. We may have struggled to water and nourish ourselves. We may have neglected our own self-care until we have turned into a plant with limp brown leaves and in need of pruning. How do we nourish ourselves in times like these? How do we take care of ourselves when we are pulled in so many other directions? How do we continue to grow even when we neglect ourselves? After seeing those new green leaves reaching for the light, I found an inner strength. Walking and eating became my focus of energy and a way to nourish myself. I began to say no to things I didn't have the time for. I found time for unexpected creativity. Most importantly, I realized sometimes we have to give ourselves permission to cut back, to prune the busyness and responsibilities of our daily lives in order for new growth to happen. Kathy, this week we're talking about uh, building connections beyond the classroom. I was wondering what you're thinking about how we can build connections beyond the classroom. Ruth, when I saw the content for this week, I was just uh, so intrigued by it all because last year as we went through um, a couple instances of remote teaching, I know that one of the things we thought we took away as a gift was how well we knew 
our families and our students, our children, and what they did at home. And so that home to school connection seemed to go so um, smoothly. And I know that as we came back into this new school year, we really wanted to maintain that connection. And so I felt like a lot of the content today helped to remind me of the importance of making those connections beyond the classroom to our families and to our community and lots of great ideas from contributors about how I might do that. I love that stance, Kathy, because it's really about, you know, what's the silver lining? And now that many of us are back in school, just reflecting a little bit and thinking, well, what can we do to continue to bridge outside of our classrooms and really get to know kids in a well-rounded way and have them make some really well-rounded connections as well? I thought it kicked off right away when I was reading Catherine's article, The Community Timeline Project, um, where she talks about how they interviewed people in the community and the kids chose someone and the amount of time in this process. But most of all, what I loved was the way she was sharing how kids got to know other people so well, they really had to pause and, and listen and ask good questions to really know them to tell their story to someone else. And she said, in the article, what I love is the weight we give to the stories of others through this project. And I just thought about the power and how that'll probably stay with those students for years to come. I also loved the download interview guide. What I loved about this interview guide is it's not just a list of questions, but it's uh, there's reminders along the way to help kids remember to add like their own thoughts or feelings so that they begin to develop some of these narrative details. Uh, there's another place where Catherine is encouraging kids to consider the sensory details, what they're um, seeing and hearing, maybe even the smell of the place in order, again, I think to really build a story and make those connections. Well, and I think about how much all of that work could really impact their writing later and I'm sure that they see the little nuggets collected from that work in other ways across the school year. Another free-for-all article is called A Community of Parents Connecting Via Email. Now, this is an article published several years ago by Trish Prentice. And the point of it is that she's taking time to send regular emails to parents that's kind of a chronicle of the day. Yes, when I read the article, first of all, I wanted to um, take a bow to Trish because that daily communication um, is so valuable, but also so hard to achieve. But I love that she's so thoughtful about the way she does it. Um, first of all, that very first day, I got a really, I had to chuckle a little bit. She already had a plan on that very first day of school about how she would email all the parents in the middle of the day. And I was thinking she teaches kindergarten. And I was just thinking about how much parents probably took a big sigh of relief. But more importantly, the way she continued to do that across the year to give parents some way to talk to their kids when they get home at night. And I think too, when I thought about, when I saw the year that this article was written, I thought about too, how many more opportunities we have now to build those relationships with parents through social media or through quick little emails or phone calls. I know that 
one of the things that I always like to do is when I'm sitting beside a student and they have something that's really exciting about their work, sometimes something that just ties back to their family. But to be able to just snap a picture of that quickly and send it to the parents, parents really enjoy those quick little personal updates. And I just felt like there were so many things to think about here in in her article. I know that she's a kindergarten teacher and everybody wants to know how their five-year-olds are doing. And oftentimes they're like young kids are, there's lots of adorable opportunities to take pictures, but I live with two high school kids and I want to know what they're up to during their school day also. And my oldest son is a junior, he's 16 and he spends part of his day at the career center. And uh, what I love is that the Career Center has an Instagram feed. And, you know, I'm checking that because I'm excited to see when he pops up on that feed. But I'm also excited to see, like, all the other opportunities uh, that's going on in that space. So um, don't dismiss this article if you're a secondary teacher. Um, parents, they want to know what their kids are are doing. And I think as they get older, sometimes it's a little harder, you know, to tug those nuggets of the day out of kids. And when we can see it, um, when we hear from the teacher, then we just are able to have some conversations. So Kathy, did you get the book club book, Enduring Freedom by Jawad Arash and Trent Reedy back from Jeff, your husband? I know he was going to take a look at it. I did. Um, he finished it and already had a student that he had had in mind that he wanted to pass it to. And I said, you can't pass it until I get to read it. So it is currently in my possession. And I'm so excited about the conversation that we'll be able to have about this book. I am too. And if people you know click into the Big Fresh this week, there's a link that takes you to our book club page and you can find the October book club. There's a Padlet there that you can leave some comments on if you want. And next week, the podcast will be um, a recording of the book club conversation about enduring freedom. Kathy, you have a new article this week in our classic classroom content. It's called The Classroom Library Building Bridges. Kathy, I loved what you did in this article. Uh, by first talking about Brandon. He was one of your first grade students. And then he comes back and, you know, you open the article with he's twice as tall as when he first stepped into your classroom. And uh, it doesn't surprise me that before long, you guys are talking about reading. I just love when students come back to visit and it always makes me smile when they walk in. Number one, they take up a lot more of the doorway than they did the last time I saw them. But to see them look around the room at the tables, the chairs, the floors, the the library, and just take it all in. And they're quick to let me know what I've changed. And uh, But then we are also always quick to start to talk about their reading lives. And it seems... Um, sometimes it can be a challenge to hang on to that, as it is often for me, uh, across our all the seasons of our lives. And so that was what Brandon and I were talking about was, what, what are you reading? And he really was in that season of his life where he was having a hard time balancing the demands of his schoolwork with 
the pleasure reading that he enjoyed so much as a first grader. And so it made me really take a look at my students in my classroom and think, what can I do to help connect them beyond the classroom library, beyond those books that surround them in our space to the school library, to the public library. So they'll continue those pathways as they move beyond my classroom. You do two things in the article that I think is really helpful for teachers. Um, You share a list of new questions you're asking about your classroom library. Um, One of them, you know, that goes along exactly with what you're just saying is um, like, does my classroom library make kids want to bug their parents to take them to the public library? Um, And so I, I think like that list of reflection questions is really helpful for teachers as they're thinking about their own classroom libraries. And then the next thing you included in the article is this chart. And it's like what you know, what we know about classroom libraries, and then how to build a bridge uh, from that to other spaces that kids can access. And so I think this article is one that's super useful for teachers. It's not just reflective, but then you also help people think through some of the practical moves they can make. I think we're very fortunate to have so many spaces where our children can access books and helping kids to know where those things are and how to get to them uh, can really help to continue them on that path as readers for years to come. And there are so many good little gems in all those spaces. Who wants to miss out? I thought your article paired really well with Stella Vialba's article called Creating a Community of Care beyond the classroom walls. This was such a sweet treat to read. I think Stella always gets at the truth. And in the beginning of her article, she says an even more complete truth is that for students who have experienced traumatic events, relationships are at the core of healing and belonging practices. And that really made me pause because we've all had students in our classroom that come to mind or or are sitting beside students in our classroom that come to mind? And how can we help build those connections to walk beside them in this time? And I think so many things are going on right now for students and families. This is especially important today. I love that about Stella's article too, and how you described like when we read, uh, when we read what Stella's writing about, it does, you, you have that sense of pulling in close to a kid and really listening, leaning in and hearing what they're saying and making sense of the things that they're not saying, which is one of the reasons why I love watching Christy Rush Levine in action with kids as well. She is able to set that same tone as Stella, where people feel listened to and heard when she's around. So we brought back an a video that's been published before. It's an encore video of Christy as she's conferring with one of her eighth graders named Jaden. And he, we see this connection to who Jaden is and some of the things he loves that come out in the conference. Uh, so I think it's a, a great way to see that relationship building in action. Yeah, you really can't miss his excitement in the book. And What was interesting as I watched Jaden was the connection he had with Christy, but also the connection he had to books and the way Christy at the end of the conference so 
smoothly was able to put him in a place where he was looking at his past reading life and his future reading life while he thought about that book. And I couldn't help but notice the connections that she made there in that short amount of time with Jaden. It is uh, it is fun to watch someone who's really mastered the art and the science of conferring. And Christy has done just that. Um, you know, I, just a reminder to our members that Christy has that meaningful reading conference course that is accessible to anyone who's a member. And she just cracks open the process and she makes it uh, accessible, I think, to anyone. So um, when you watch Christy in that video, just know she lets you in on all her secrets in the meaningful reading conference course. Ruth, speaking of the courses that are available on the website, I just felt like I had found a treasure when I scrolled down just a little bit further and saw the reminder of the content that ties to this week's collection. And so um, in the Big Fresh, there is an area that talks about family relations. And when you click it, and you know I had to click it, I went in and there are so many different articles about building those connections with families. And I love, there were so many, I kind of felt like I could spend hours here. There were just so many different things to think about. So I think it's a great reminder for people to step back in there because I think there's something to speak to everyone. Yeah, I I love that about the site too. There's just so many ways to get to different articles. Sometimes it can feel overwhelming, but sometimes like when you land on a place like this, um, it just allows us to think deeply about a topic and just reminding people when they do click on that link in the big fresh to the family relations page on the right side of the page lists many other categories that people can click into and, you know, just whatever uh, is needed or interesting to them is great. Uh, we just met uh, the choice. We have uh, virtual writing groups with choice literacy contributors. And so last Sunday, you know, Kathy, you were in that and we were meeting. But in one of the groups, uh, Bitsy Parks talked about how she spent so much time on the word study section of choice literacy uh, when she was when she was really trying to figure out word study in her classroom. And so you know, teachers, they turn to Google often. We, we Google things that we're curious about. And I think if we can learn to first go to choice literacy and then do those searches of things that we're interested in, we can find really great ideas that um, are accessible and practical for kids. It's a great reminder, Ruth. And I feel like Uh, While we're talking about things that are needed right now, I had to smile when I saw the deep dive course that is in the Big Fresh this week for literacy coaches, where it says getting organized for literacy coaching. And I thought there couldn't be anything more timely than this course right now. Thanks, Kathy. Um, It's a course I created a few years ago, and now we are releasing it. It's free for our literacy leader members. So anyone can access this course. And I, I was really thoughtful about when to release it. And I know that it's like a quick start guide for scheduling and launching the year. But I think sometimes the best time to get organized and get our schedules around is October. Um, because we have, we have this sense of 
the school year, there's a lot of things that were set in motion. And now we can be really thoughtful about what our coaching is going to look like for the remainder of the school year. So it's a course that I'm really excited about opening up to all literacy leader members. And I think that there are are a lot of tools there that people will find timely, even though our school year is underway. Yes, I felt like this is actually right where I needed this course as a literacy coach, because this is always that time of year where we've finished all of our collecting of data. We've started to think about how to best support children and classrooms. And now I really want to try to focus my attention and get myself moving forward in a strong way. And I felt like a lot of the resources here would help me with that very thing. So just the perfect time for me to take a breath get organized and step forward. I really enjoyed Matt Renwick's article this week uh, because it just kind of pushes against some of this classic coaching um, moves or things, you know, that we're not supposed to do as coaches. And so the, the title of the article is when the best coaching is offering advice. And Matt is writing this, Matt's an elementary principal in Wisconsin, and he's writing uh, this article about an observation that he's, t- that he's making and then um, how he wants to offer some advice, but not sure uh, if that's appropriate, an appropriate response or not. Yes, I appreciated this as well, because I do think we always worry a little bit about how to get beside somebody in a conversation. And I think that's really what he's talking about here. Uh, The quote he uses by Jim Knight, I love where it says a dialogue is thinking with someone. And he really gives us permission to think about the situation we're in, weigh what the person beside us might need or might be targeting and to jump into that conversation alongside them. I think about so often when I'm just talking with colleagues and you know how you get just really excited about a topic, Ruth, and before you know it, you're so in the conversation. I think that's what Matt's talking about here is being a partner in conversation. It is. It is exactly right. And I love that he tackled it because um, in this section, he has a section called expectations interrupted. And he talks about how like literacy leaders of, he call, he says, literacy leaders of all stripes, your principals, coaches, interventionists, all kinds of literacy leaders. Like we all know this feeling where we're in a classroom and there's just this connection we want to make. And yet we're, we're weighing whether we should take the, the conversation that direction or if the learning, you know, if we the learning should be on the teacher's terms. And so I love the tension that he shares and makes real. And then, like you said, he's walking us through how to have a conversation um, with teachers and how to lead that kind of conversation. You know, I think as literacy leaders this time of year that those conversations beside teachers individually, but also in small groups and with our communities are so important. We know now where we're headed and we know the things that teachers are trying to work through. And this is such a perfect time to build those strong conversations. And so Bill Bass's article, Collecting PLC Data with Google Forms, speaks at that next layer 
of working with those small teams and being able to be intentional in that work by knowing what matters to the team. And he talks about the way uh, they use Google Forms to collect the data that they have on students and then to sit down at the table and talk together about that information and plan forward. There's so much on the site. So often contributors are sharing um, templates, downloads, forms that we can use in our own schools. And so I just wanted to really pull this article out because I think it's something that's incredibly meaningful and useful right now for people. Well, and you know what it made me think about, Ruth? Uh, So often when we would sit down as a coaching team, uh, we had a lot of places within our week that had now been scheduled in buildings for teams to sit down and talk together, which is fantastic. But as literacy leaders, it's absolutely impossible to be in all those spaces, yet we want to be able to support in any way that we can. And so sometimes just a few quick little responses help us to know how to step back into a conversation and how to sit beside students and teachers in that next phase of our work. And so I felt like this tool was a great way to kind of be in a lot of spaces when you really sometimes just can't, even though you so want to be. Yeah, Bill, um, he just ha- he has a special gift for making for using technology in ways that just make sense and they're often practical and simple. And this is one that I think people can can use and recreate in their in their situations also. I think that's one of the things I enjoy about when I get the big fresh Ruth is all of the different perspectives I can hear and weigh in the work that I do. And I thought the coaching minute with Lee Snyder was another good one to think about. He was talking about dealing with parent concerns. And uh, what I loved is he talks through what he does. And the thing that caught my attention that he said is, you know, whatever the parent brings to the table is their perspective, whether it's true or whether it may not be true, it's still their perspective. And we need to meet parents where they are and help walk them through the tough situation so that we can move forward together connected. And I just thought it was a nice little reminder of ways that we might navigate those tricky situations, which certainly come up in our work. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for Lee and the way that he honors uh, whomever it is, whether it's a teacher or a student or a parent, that he honors what their reality is and then um, meets them there. I did as an instructional leader in the district, I was so fortunate to be able to work beside so many literacy coaches, so many principals, so many teachers. And I always felt a little bit guilty, honestly, because I was learning so much because everybody has their own way that they work through challenges and we all face challenges. And one of the things I always appreciate when the Big Fresh arrives in my email is that I know I'm going to feel like I'm just walking through a building and talking to all of these different people about the things they're working through, their celebrations, their challenges. And I know I'm going to come away with a little nugget that's going to help me. And this week's content of really thinking through how to build those bridges and make those connections inside our building, outside our building, with our families, just really gave me so many things to get excited about in the next weeks of school. 
At Choice Literacy, we know that you want to be an educator who makes students' lives better through literacy. In order to do that, you need access to comprehensive literacy practices delivered in a way you will actually use. With over 150 in-the-field contributors, we understand the pressure to reach a variety of needs and not enough time to do it, which is why we hold true to workshop tenets like choice and share practical ways to plan and deliver literacy instruction straight to the point of student need. You can find links to all of the articles discussed in the show notes or sign up for the Big Fresh so you can have the links delivered directly to your inbox. Keep growing readers and writers by offering choice in literacy.